All right, today we are in our third, uh, third part of the message series we're doing called Different. Now, Different, we're in the book of 1 Peter. And 1 Peter was a book that a guy named Peter, one of Jesus' three closest friends was when he was on this earth, wrote to a bunch of Christians who were in a world where they did not belong. In fact, he starts off this letter and he says, I'm writing this to people and you're strangers in the world. You're strangers, but you are set apart by God. And that's, that's where we find ourselves. So we're going to be in 1 Peter today. And I want to start off here with a, with a question that, that I face a lot in my life right now. And it's this question. My guess is you face it either, either now or you have in your life. How can I make my life count? I want to have a life that matters. How do I do that? And, and usually what happens in our lives is we have it figured out. We know how we want our lives to count. And then something changes. We get it all figured out and then we graduate college and we don't know what the next step is. We have it all figured out, and we're great, and life as a single person is great. Then you get married, and you realize, wait, what does life look like now? How do I make my life matter now? Maybe you raise a family, and your life is in your family, and then your kids grow up, and you think, what does my life mean now? How do I have a life that matters? And usually when we encounter something in life that shakes us up, that pushes us off what's normal, that messes with our sense of equilibrium, we ask this question, how do I have a life that matters what do I have to do in life to have a life that really counts, a life that's moving somewhere? I know the people I look to in life and say, I want to be like that person, they're usually people who are serious about life. Now, let me explain what I mean. They're not people who take themselves seriously. They're not people necessarily who are serious people, but they are serious about life. They want to have a life that matters, and so they're willing to do what it takes right now to have that life down the road. And I look at these people and I want to be like them. Everybody from sports stars to celebrities, they, they want to have a life that matters, and so they're taking the action now. Now, maybe they're taking the wrong actions, but they're taking actions. Man, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be Brett Favre. I mean, come on. You know, what, what better person to be? I'd be in the backyard by myself playing football games, right? Because I was like in the Super Bowl, and it was like, you know, fourth down, two seconds left on the clock. I'm on my own 45-yard line, and I've got to score a touchdown. And I'm the offense and the defense, it was great. You can do whatever you want when you're everything. And so I would throw a touchdown pass to myself every single time. It was beautiful. But, but, but I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to have a life that mattered even then. And we all at different points in our lives have people we look up to. At one point for me, it was Jack Bauer. Come on, any 24 fans here? The TV show 24, it's off the air now, but my goodness, I would be on the edge of my seat. We'd get those. So the premise is, if you're not familiar with it, is counterterrorism. And, and what would happen is some crisis would take place, and it would be in real time. So there would be 24 episodes in the season, and each episode would be an hour. And it'd cut to an ad break, and then it'd come back, and all like the, the time of the ad break would, be, would have passed. It was all real time. And I wanted to be Jack Bauer. To this day, when I'm walking up, like in a commercial building, walking upstairs, I still want to pull out a fake gun and act like I'm going upstairs because I want to be Jack Bauer, right? And the people we look up to in life, the people we want to be like in life, are serious about life. And so I'm going to share, I'm going to share from what, what Peter wrote in this, in this letter today. And I just want to warn you up front, it's serious. But it's serious not because we just need to get beat over the head. It's serious because if you want to have a life that matters, you got to be serious about life. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter 1, 13, he says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. I love that. I feel like this is we're on halftime in a football game and we're down and Peter says, 
Prepare your minds for action. Literally, this, this letter was written in Greek, and literally this is what it says. Gird up the loins of your mind. That's weird, okay? That's weird. Like that's what, what, it, what it meant is back, back in this day when, they, when he wrote it, this was biblical times, right? They'd wear tunics. And so when you wanted to get some stuff done, when it was demo day at the new foundry building, and you had your tunic on, you would take your tunic, you'd actually roll it up, and you'd tuck it into your belt. So you got your legs free. You, know, you got your white legs just to show everybody could see it, but that's fine. And, and you did whatever you needed to do. And so what he's saying is, gird up. So, so take that tunic, tuck it in, in your mind, and get ready to go. Now, for us, it's different. It's roll up, the, roll up your sleeves. It's put on your yoga pants. And get it done. It's put on your steel-toed boots so when you put an axe through your boot, you don't lose a toe. Get ready to get it done. This is classic Larry the Cable Guy right here. Get her done. Let's just do it. And he says this. Get ready. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get ready for action. And here's, I want to be honest, most of us never get where we want to go in life. Most of us never get where God wants us to go in life because so much of it starts in our mind and we're not willing to prepare for action in our minds. It's easier not to prepare for action. So, so Peter says, prepare for action. And he says this, be self-controlled. And this goes right along with preparing your mind for action, being self-controlled. Saying, I I know there's some things I'm going to have to not do now, some things I'm going to have to do now to have the kind of life that I want to live, to have the kind of life that God wants me to live. So prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. Here we go. Set your hope fully on the grace that's going to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And and this is so key, and this goes back to last week. If, If you want to go back and listen to last week's message on the podcast about how our hope is set in what's to come. We're not just focused on right now. We're focused on the future. But this, this is what Peter's saying here. I want to boil it down to two things. You've got to have the right mindset, and you've got to have the right direction for your life. You've got to have the right mindset. You've got to be ready for action. You've got to be prepared for action. You've got to be prepared to make the hard decisions and do the hard things in life. But you also have to be going in the right direction, setting your hope fully on the grace of Jesus. But, but this, is the, this is the truth here. This is not the main point for Peter. Let's keep reading. Next verse. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. And this is what he's saying. And this is, this is probably one of the big concepts I want you to understand today. He says, don't conform to those evil desires you had. And your ignorance just means before you new God. And I love this language he uses here of conforming, because often we think when we just want to do something, we live in this society where you just do it. If I, if I just want to make a decision, I just do it. But what Peter's teaching us is, is when we give into the desires for, for our lives that aren't healthy, instead of being free, we're actually conforming ourselves. So, Ansley, can you, can you hand me this right here? Ansley's helped me out today. Thank you so much. This is, I dropped by my parents' house recently. Now, my mom, she used to throw the best birthday parties. Come on, anybody have a mom like that? Just throw great birthday parties. Some people are like, what? No, birthday parties? What are those? All right, so, so my mom would throw the best birthday parties, and she'd get creative. And so when my sister had like a, a, a knights and kings and queens kind of birthday party, she'd go all out, and she actually used... Uh, at the bottom of like the half of a soccer ball cake to create a the bottom of a hoop skirt for the princess. It was incredible what she'd do. This one's more simple. This is a Bob the Builder cake pan. Come on, Bob the Builder, can he fix it? Yes, he can. Okay, so Bob the Builder, and so I literally just stole this. I just reached in. This is the one on the top. So I've got a dinosaur one here too. I tried to decide which one to bring up today. 
Uh, what happens in our lives is, is we are like the, like the cake batter, right? We're just poured in, and we tend to fill up and then end up like whatever we're in. And so what Peter's saying here is, look, don't just conform to, to, how, to your desires, because what that is is the path of least resistance, and you end up looking like Bob the Builder, right? Okay, and nobody wants to look like Bob the Builder. When you just give in, when you just take that next step, whatever you just give in to whatever's easiest, you end up looking like whatever's around you. You end up just looking like wherever you are at the moment. You look like whatever bad attitudes you were in that day. You just give in. How much of our lives is spent just giving in? We're just sitting in the mold of our lives. We just give in. And Peter says, don't do it. Don't conform. God made you for so much more than that. Don't end up like Bob the Builder. End up like the person I created you to be. No one thinks that's funny. This is Bob the Builder. Just enjoy it, okay? Enjoy it a little bit. Don't end up just like whatever you're around. No, you've actually got to be different. Don't conform. And this is, this is a hard hitting... Here, Brooke, you can hold on to Bob the Builder. Don't just conform. And this, this is, the, this is the, the hard hitting message for us. He says, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Here's the truth. There's got to come a point in your life, if you want to become all that God created you to be, where you can't just look around and blame everybody else and blame my experience and blame these people and blame this context and this bad thing that happened to me. I get it. Life is hard. Bad stuff does happen. It can affect us. But you don't have to let it control you. And and what what this teaches us here, look, is, is ultimately it's about how twisted we are. And this, this is what people miss out on. And this is why religious people are some of the worst people. Because they think that, that all the problems are outside of themselves. That they're perfect and everybody else is messed up. And, and that, that's why they're so messed up. But, but it's, it's, we have to recognize that we are twisted. We are the problem. In fact, you can never come to the place where you're living a full, complete life. A life that God wants you to live. If you don't first recognize, I'm twisted. I'm messed up. I fail. Now, sometimes this comes out in funny ways. I, I, I have a day job. This is, this is like my superhero job, nights and weekends. I'm a pastor. And then during, during the day, I actually work. I'm, I'm an admissions director at a school. And so I was calling a student this week, and his name was Paul. And so I had talked to him a few times already. I called Paul. I said, hey, Paul, I checked on that thing for you, and it looks like your project is good to go if you want to come here. We'll get it all set up. I had the conversation, and it looks like you're good to go. And, uh, and Paul responds and is like, hey, man, that sounds great. Yeah, thanks for all you've done. Um, and so we had this, like, three-minute conversation. And then Paul says, uh, yeah, so anyway, those, that, that plastic and all that, we'll take care of that. And then he said, wait, who is this again? And I said, who is this? It's, I, we just talked about your dissertation project, Paul. Who are you? And he's like, and who are you? And I'm like, I'm Elijah Friedman from Wesley Biblical Seminary. And he's like... Well, I am Todd from Environmental Waste Management. We had, get this, a three and a half minute conversation. And we were talking right past each other. It's like one of those conversations where you're like, well, that didn't quite make sense, but you know, not everybody's as smart as I am. So, okay, let's keep going here. Three and a half minutes just talking back and forth with each other. And you know whose fault that was? I wanted to say it was his. I, mean, I really wanted to say it's Todd's fault and, you know, he's just an idiot and what an imbecile and... There's a lot of stupid people in this world. It was my fault. I got the area code wrong when I called the number, right? No one to blame but me. 
Now, that's hilarious after it happened. The funny thing was my coworker could hear the whole thing happen. was just laughing her head off. And that's really funny. The truth is, in life, we make mistakes much bigger than that. And when it happens, we want to blame somebody else. Something else caused this. It happened. I've sinned. I've done something wrong. I've been unfaithful. I've messed up. And we want to blame somebody else. But it's us. We've got to recognize that no matter the other bad things that happen, we, we're twisted. Like, like who we are. We're selfish. We try to get stuff to our advantage. We've got to recognize that. If you can't recognize that in your own life, then you'll never come to the point where you're living a life that's fulfilled, a life that you want to live. So don't be conformed to your, to your desires. Don't just give in. That's the easy way. But the easy way is not how you take life seriously. It's not how you live a serious life. Here's here's the next thing, though. It's not just don't conform. If that was the message, it would not be enough. But verse 15, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, I'm going to be straight up with you. I try to tell you this when it happens. If I were writing this, I would not have used the word holy. When I think of holy... I think of Mother Teresa, I think of nuns, and I think of religious people who are jerks. Come on, anybody with me on this? I don't think of someone I want to be. I think of someone who's not very fun, somebody who's a little annoying, and someone who's self-righteous. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. So, so why does Peter say be holy? In verse, what, what does it mean to be holy? Because we get this wrong. We think holy means to be a pope. We think that holy means to be a jerk who's religious. What holy means, get this, this is so key, is to be different God's way. Now, I was homeschooled. There's a lot of ways to be different. We just put that out there, just kind of just set that one out there. And I've, I've known enough of you who weren't homeschooled to know you're still kind of different and you're kind of weird. And that's okay, but that's not necessarily what Peter's talking about here. It's not enough just to be weird. Not enough just to be different. You've got to be different God's way. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart. It means to be given over to what God wants, even when it costs you. To be different God's way. And this is so important. It's not that we are supposed to appear holy. It's that we are supposed to be holy. And so these are the two big ideas. Peter says, hey, don't conform to your passions but be holy. Now, I love this because one of them conforming is all about uh, fitting in. It's about a mold. It's about not being something that you are. Being holy is about becoming. It's about you. It's about who you are, not just what you do. And here, the, the excuse me, the command is to be holy. You want a life that matters? Here it is. In every way, be different God's way. In every way, because he doesn't just say be holy when you're at church. He says, be holy in all that you do. This is so stinking hard. You guys tried this before? I mean, just take like 20 minutes and try being holy in everything you do. Go to a restaurant and have to wait in line, and then your food's late, and try to be holy in everything you do. Like, live with, live with a family member for a day. Try to be holy in everything you do. Try to be different in God's way in everything you do. It is hard. It's not a quick fix. Here's the reality. If you want a life that matters, a life that honors God, a life that changes people's lives, it's not a quick fix. It's not one thing, and it's all better. The problem is, 
So many things that don't help us become what we need to become are quick fixes. It's so easy to go to things and live in ways that aren't helpful. I mean, think about it. Anybody spend some time on Instagram this week? You know, they have the, the, new, the new iOS system. If you have an iPhone, tells you how much time you spend on different apps each week. That is depressing. You want to be depressed in life? Just look that up. After the service, look it up. And you, you will have spent, I had a friend who spent 16 hours on Facebook in a single week. You probably spent a lot of time on that. Okay, so, so you spent time on Instagram this week, Facebook this week. If you're over, you know, 30, it's probably Facebook now. Spent time on Facebook this week. Just, just call it how it is. This is a place where we proclaim the truth. So if you spend some time on, on social media this week, it is so easy just to spend your time not mattering, just scrolling through, and the, then occasionally you like something, you think, I did, I did a really good thing, because they don't look that good in that picture, but I'm encouraging them, right? And so you feel good about yourself. I'm justifying my time on this. Right? It's so easy to do that. And then it's so easy to slip in to just things, because no one can see what you're looking at. No one can see what you're doing. No one can see what you're thinking when you're scrolling through. And it's so easy to just give in over and over again to just little things of, of jealousy, of, of envy, of lust, just flipping through. Now look, that's just Instagram and Facebook. How many other things are there in life where it's so easy just to give in and no one's going to know? No one can see. And this is why it's so hard to be holy and not just appear holy. I can show up on a Sunday, y'all, and I can look pretty good. I can wait. I can hug you. I can high five you, fist bump, go give a little low five to the kids. And that's great. That appears holy. It's a lot harder, and I'm talking for me personally, when I'm sitting in my house alone on a Friday or Saturday night, and I've got the World Wide Web at my fingertips. I can do, I can think whatever I want. It's a lot harder to be holy. But in every way, we are called to be different God's way. You want a life that matters? Be different God's way. You want a life that doesn't matter? Give in to comparison. Give in to lust. In your family relationships, backbite, undercut, and try to get your way no matter what. That's the short-term fix. The long-term fix is to love and to, to give up what you want, and, and to, to love people even when it ends up harming you. The, the short-term fix is gossiping, is putting somebody else down behind their back. The long-term fix is loving them even when they gossip about you. The short-term fix is dating so that you can get the hottest person. Dating so you can find the person who's going to give you what you want right now. The long term, the holy way, that being different God's way, is dating and loving someone so you can help them become who they need to be. So you can be pure in that relationship so the two of you can explore, does God want us to be married? Now these are two very different things. Each one of these, you can trace your own life. Think about your life right now. And this week, what's going to come up? And all the challenges that are going to come up, the relationships, even right now, you already know the problem spots in your life this week. What does it look like to be different God's way? If you want a life that matters, and we want to be serious about life, if you want a life that matters, you have to be different God's way. And there's, there's no easy way, there's no quick fix. It's being different God's way. <coughs> Excuse me. My granddad... Grandpa Jerry, we called him. It was my dad's dad. He was a great guy. I actually don't really remember him very much. Uh, he died when I was four years old. But I have two memories of him. One of them, this is kind of funny. We, we went to see the Bellhaven Singing Christmas Tree. You know they have that every year down at Bellhaven. And we went there on the wa- wrong weekend. 
And as a four-year-old, I had this memory. It's probably because someone got mad about it. Probably he got mad about it. I had, had this memory of like us being there in an empty parking lot. So that's memory number one. Memory number two is I remember him tying my shoes before we went on a walk. And, and I remember like the, it didn't feel comfortable. Like, you know, the, you know when the sock's off, the sock is wrong on your shoe? Those are the two memories I have of my granddad. But they tell me he's a great man. He, uh, he, he didn't grow up in a Christian family. Uh, he, he grew up in just kind of a normal family, you know, not, not awesome, but not the worst. Come on, we got some testimonies of that in here. And so he grew up in just, just an okay family, and he grew up and just became an adult, got married to my grandmother, and at one point, he, he just went to a church. It was an old church, and it, it wasn't a great church, it never was. He stayed there his whole life, it wasn't a great church. And he decided, actually in a Sunday school class, that, that he wanted to follow Jesus, but he wasn't quite sure, so he walked outside, and, and he, he smoked a cigarette first, and then he walked home, and somewhere between the church and getting home, he decided he really did believe Jesus was his Savior. That changed everything about his life. Now, now let me tell you something about his life. Pretty early on, he had a, when he was, after he was married, he had this brain problem, and they had to take out part of his skull, and they couldn't put it back in for like a year. So he lived with this gap in his head, and, and because of that, it actually set his whole family back like thousands of dollars, and so they were poor when he was raising all of his kids. They lived in a two-bedroom house with five kids. I mean, think about that. That's, that's not easy. He never made a lot of money, and just life was not the easiest for him, but in the middle of all that, he did the hard work of being different God's way. He loved his wife, even when most of the men up and down their street did not stay faithful to their wives. I mean, most of the men up and down that street were not around, but he was around. He was there for his wife and for his family. He, he worked hard and he provided for them. He got involved with, you guys, Gideon's Bibles. You ever been in a hotel, you've seen Gideon's Bibles? He got involved with that. It's like a businessman organization, and he discipled people through that. And he gave away Bibles. He was involved in his church. It was the little stuff. He was involved in his community. It was the little stuff. And, he, and as he kept on going, year after year, stuff got worse in his town. And year after year, they never had enough money. And year after year, life was hard. But what did he do? He kept on being different God's way. He ended up dying when he was only 67. He, got, he had diabetes, and it got really bad, and he had some other health complications, and he ended up passing away at 67. And when he died, get this, he was reading a book, Loving God by Charles Colson. I have a copy of it. And he's reading this book, Loving God, because that was the story of his life. He was not successful. You will not remember his name. In fact, a generation from now, no one will know his name. You go back to Great Bend, Kansas today, where he, where he lived. No one knows his name, but he changed lives. His kids, five kids, get this. Four of them got married. None of them divorced. That does not happen. Why is that? It's because he was faithful, because he did the hard things week in and week out. It's about what you do week in and week out, not the big things, not the things you get recognition for, or the things you post on social media. It's the faithfulness you show to what God has called you to week in and week out. He's got two kids that are serving in full-time ministry, two kids who are pastors, changing lives. Because of my granddad, literally thousands of people are following Jesus today. But he was just a poor owner of a tire shop in Kansas, middle of nowhere, Kansas. But lives are different. His grandkids, almost all of them are following the Lord and raising families to love the Lord. And it all comes back to this. It wasn't the quick fix. 
It wasn't the big stuff. It wasn't the big decisions he's made. It was the week in, week out, day in, day out, hourly, being different God's way. So if I can talk to you, especially if you are here and you are under, under 40 right now, right now you are setting the stage for what God can do in your life. Right now you are making the decisions that set the stage for how God can use you. And there's a lot of things you can do and a lot of things that you probably shouldn't do, but here's the reality. The only way you're going to end up with the life you want to live is by being different God's way. And, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to sacrifice. It's going to hurt, but it's going to be worth it. And if you're here and you're already established in life, you've got a family, and maybe your family's even grown up and gone out or you've just been through life for a while, be different God's way even now. This is where it matters. This is where you have set yourself up to have the maximum impact of your life. In every way, be different God's way. My grandpa Jerry, he, he has no idea, I'm sure, uh, all that has happened after he passed away. That was 20 years ago. I can't wait, though, to get to heaven someday and get to just give him a hug and just tell him stories of how the, the hard nights when they didn't have enough money, and, and tell him stories of, of how just being faithful to his family in the middle of, of all the hardship. Tell him stories of how all that paid off down the road. I mean, this church would not exist if it weren't for him. Uh, we would not be together and, and, and with each other, and there's nothing special about him, but it's just he made decisions that led us to this place. Here's my question for you. What decisions are you making right now that are going to lead you to have that kind of impact, even the impact you never see. In every way, be different God's way. Here's the challenge. Be holy. And it, it's, it can happen in your life. And I want to encourage you, if you're beat down and you're looking at this and saying, there's no way I can be holy, me, I'm looking in the mirror, I, how can I be holy? If God gives a command, it is always a promise. If God commands you to be holy, if God commands you to be different his way, God's going to make it a reality in your life. In every way, this week, every way, be different God's way. And then do it next week and the week after that. And the week after that and the week after that. And keep going and you will be amazed when you wake up and you realize this is the life I've always wanted to live. And it comes not through a quick fix, but through being different God's way in every way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the people who have gathered today. Thank you so much for the message that you have given us, that you have spoken to us through your word. Help each one of us this week to be different, to be different your way in every way. Father, I want to confess right now that that's going to be hard for me, that, that I'm going to face things that pull on my life, and I'm going to want to conform. I'm going to want to be changed back into my own passions, my own evil desires. So, Father, I need you to help me. And as we remain in prayer, I just want to turn it out to you right now. God's calling you right now to be different his way. He's called you to be holy. He's challenging you, but he's also going to bless you with the grace you need to do it. So if there's anyone here who just says, I know, I know something that needs to happen in my life this week, something I need to change, something I need to keep doing to be different God's way, and I just want to put it out there with a raised hand. Anybody want to raise a hand today and say, I know what it is. I want to be different God's way. I want to be different God's way. I want to pursue him. I know what I need to change. I know what I need to do. Thank you for raising those hands. I want to bless you. I want to pray for you who've raised your hands. Father, thank you for the men and women who are willing to challenge themselves, willing to say, I want a life that matters. 
I want a life that counts. I don't want a quick fix. I don't want to conform to my own passions. I want to be holy. I want to be different because God is holy. Father, bless them this week with the grace they need. Lord, they've shown faith by just raising a hand. It's a small act of faith. But I pray that you would bless that small act of faith with your incredible blessings. Father, we all need you. I ask that you would come and help us to be your people this week. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.